Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to the Midas Touch Podcast. Ben, my joined by my younger brothers, Brett and Jordy. Want to give a shout out to all the Midas Mighty for your incredible birthday wishes yesterday. I turned the big 36. Thank you so much. And for my 36th birthday, we have an incredible guest for you today. We have Congresswoman Marie Newman from Illinois' third congressional district joining us. Of course, you know Congresswoman Marie Newman as the freshman congresswoman who's stood for progressive values. She was in that altercation with QAnon Trump cultist Marjorie Taylor Greene. As you recall, Marie Newman put out the transgender equality flag outside of her office. Marjorie Taylor Greene, the fifth grade racist bully, put out a sign that says there are only two genders. Congresswoman Newman has a transgender daughter. I want to speak with Congresswoman Newman. Congresswoman Newman has a background in anti-bullying. She started an anti-bullying organization before becoming a member of Congress. And I want to speak to her about how we get serious as Americans. The Democratic Party is a very serious party. The role of politicians of politics is very, very, very serious. And we have third grade wannabe fascist cartoon s clowns in the GQP who treat the United States of America like some performative WWE fascist cosplay. We need to get rid of it. I want to and we want to pick Congresswoman Marie Newman's brain on that. Brothers, how are you doing today? Hold up. Did you did you just shout out the Midas Mighty? That's I my, a, that's my line. I don't shout. say much in these podcasts. You can't take my lines from the what are you doing? That's my line. I think that saying shout out to the Midas Mighty. Uh, you did it again. Fair game. I think Not it's fair, fair game. game. Ridiculous. I think Jordy is getting angry because of the fact that our youngest sister, the Midas brothers, had a wild card for the Midas Mighty. Shout out to the Midas Mighty one more. Total wild card. Our, our we have line. a sister. We have a Midas sister, Rachel Mycellus, who has joined Twitter this week and is quickly becoming the most popular Mycellus. I feel good. <laughs> I feel relieved because what all of these votes were all about was simply voting for the youngest Mycellus. So yeah. that's Jordy where these votes are feeling the heat right now. And the, you could just sense the panic from Jordy's tweets yesterday and from Jordy's text messages about Rachel's overnight rise 
to be the top favorite Midas sibling. Jordy, are you coping okay today? Are you doing all right? I see you did a whole, do you know what Jordy did after this happened? He shaved his face completely. He had <laughs> yes, big, he did. Jordy he shaved, you're right. Full shave uh-huh. to try to act younger now. And this totally. is all so <laughs> calculated. What a move. <laughs> Look, we're going to regroup. Team Jory <laughs> is fear, fiercely loyal. Baby face over here. The I didn't realize it was, it, was, it was independent of anything Wrong. that unfolded oh, last no. night. There are, there are no coincidences, Jordy, as we've learned over this past few years. <laughs> okay, maybe no I subconsciously shaved. <laughs> oh, sister, he admits it. Our sister Rachel is 16. She's running for president of her senior class as she goes into her senior class year. I was wondering, I was wondering, I said, look, I have mo- the most Twitter followers by far over over Jordy. Like, it's not even close. I'm like, how is he, you know, winning the votes? And I've broken it down to two things. Um, number one, gay men overwhelmingly vote for Jordy. I just think that's a fact. And I just want to throw it out there. Number one. Number two, Jordy is the youngest. And I think there is a bias on Twitter to vote the youngest sibling. And so Rachel's joining in. I'm all good. I, and it just turns out that and I am. I, I just love I just love that you're tossing and turning at night thinking about these polls. That's what I love. You shaved your face, Jordy. Because <laughs> Let's get into jealous. it today, guys. Let's get it. Where are we starting off today? Let's get this back on the rails. So, so busted with the shaved face. Oh, my gosh. I want to start off this episode with accountability and accountability of the Trump organization. We've been talking about this for many months. What's going on with these Trump investigations? Of course, we know that there's an investigation within the Manhattan DA's office. There was also a civil investigation that was going on with the New York Attorney General's office, Letitia James, the great New York Attorney General. But that civil investigation by the New York Attorney General's has become a criminal investigation with a letter that was released this week, and it informed the Trump organization that they are now targets of a criminal investigation. The New York State AG was working with the city prosecutors, as we all know, the city prosecutors got their hands on Trump's tax returns. Trump had been residing in New York for pretty much most of his life when he's not uh, performing at weddings at Mar-a-Lago. Um, and it's become clear that the criminal investigation into Trump are rapidly increasing. And I think accountability is coming soon. And I know what you're saying. I know you're saying We hear this every week. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. That's the way the law works, people. It doesn't happen overnight. It's it's not you don't wake up one day and then all of a sudden there are indictments. We're dealing with a crazy freaking madman in Trump. You got to dot your eyes. You got to cross your T's and you got to make sure these legal documents are tight. That is what's happening. And this is big news, fellas. You don't want this to be a rush job. You don't want the indictments to come out and there to be mistakes made. And the phrase is a cliche for a reason, but the wheels of justice turn slowly. But I think even by those standards, I think we're seeing things ramp up at a pretty quick pace. Remember, it's really only been four months since Donald Trump was president of the United States. This is unprecedented. 
that four months after a president leaves office, that they are being informed that they are being looked into by a criminal investigation. And Ben, what's the advantage? What, what What's the function, rather, of the spokesperson for the district attorney giving writing a letter to the Trump organization telling them? that they are being investigated in a criminal capacity. Why do you why do you have to make that announcement and not just investigate kind of, you know, in the background? Well, I think there's a number of uh, strategic and then there's a number of kind of practical legal compliance issues. What you want to make clear when you're pursuing a criminal investigation is in dotting your I's and crossing your T's You don't want anybody to claim that they were misled, that they thought they were participating in a civil investigation, that the government may have engaged in entrapment or deceit in order to get the indictments. And so basically it's telling a target, look, you have a number of rights as a criminal defendant or someone under criminal investigation. You have a Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. You have the right to an attorney. But we want to put you on notice right here, right now, that all of those rights, avail yourselves of them and don't come back and complain later that you had no clue you know, that it was criminal. So it has that kind of function um, a preemptive function against those claims later when people like Trump claim my rights were violated. I thought right. this was just a civil right. deposition. Mm-hmm. No one said it was criminal because remember, it started as a civil and now that it's criminal, different rights attach to it. But then it also informs people at a strategic sense in Trump's orbit that they're either going to they got a lawyer up, number one, which is going to be incredibly expensive, and they're either going to flip. They're either going to work with the government or their potential targets as well of a criminal investigation as well. And so in connection with that letter, I'm sure the AG's office has been and has already been reaching out to others within the organization and letting them know that they are either potential targets or that they need to cooperate. And so this is a very, very big deal. And I've been saying it by the end. This is my own prediction, but by the end of this year, by the end of 2021, I think we will see at least one Trump indictment for serious felonies and not just of Donald Trump, of other family members. This family is a criminal cartel. We can deplatform them but also and hold them accountable because they're fucking maniacs on social media and they can't even control themselves and all of the disinfo that they spew, but they also need to be held accountable legally. We don't have criminal enterprise families in the United States of America that skirt accountability. And you know, I'm excited about this one too. This one just feels different. It's like the reaction by Trump when this news came out and by by the Trump family was so reactive, I should say, that he's clearly like this one scares him at his core. Well, let's face it. This is like the first time that he has zero protection. He doesn't have Bill Barr to protect him. He doesn't have the immunity of the presidency to protect him. He's got nothing. This is a, the entire family is so incredibly vulnerable at the moment. And I saw a friend of the show, Michael Cohen, making the, going around the circuit. And he said that Trump would not hesitate 
to throw his kids under the bus to try to save himself, to throw Rudy under the bus, to throw Eric under the bus. Well, of course, he threw Eric under the bus, to throw Don Jr. <laughs> under the bus, to throw Ivanka under the bus. Who knows about Ivanka? We'll see. You know, things are weird there. But what do you think? Do you think that he tries to save face by throwing his own kids under the bus? Do you think he goes, oh, the Trump organization, that's just where I got coffee. The Trump organization, just the coffee boy, the Trump organization. But what, what does Trump do when faced with the real possibility of, of prison time? I think he's going to first blame everybody else before he gets to the family. And then he's going to blame the family. And then he's going to, you know, have to have to face justice himself. But the deplatforming of him, the fact that we don't hear this whiny fucking criminal, disgusting person just spewing this stuff every day is is genuinely a relief. And we saw Don Jr. trying to, you know, carry the water um, for his dad and post a statement that these Trump statements too, just they're so reflective of what a maniac this man is and how incoherent the, I mean, these statements read like just, I get letters at my law firm we get them at Midas (laughs) touch too, but I get these letters sometimes at the firm, not sometimes pretty much on a daily basis. From people who we call, you know, at the firm, 5150. They need to be <laughs> involuntarily committed to a mental institution. And we that's just generally the term we use at the firm, you know. And sometimes someone will sneak by and you'll think it's a normal email. And then you'll do a call and then we'll be like, how would the call go with so and so? Like, yeah, that was a 5150. Like, <laughs> and the 5150 means they need to be involuntarily co- oh, you know, committed. No. But these are people. These are people who email you and talk about the CIA as tap my phone. These are tinfoil wearing people. And they send these run on sentences. These emails take eight pages and they're nonsense. These are the Trump (laughs) statements. They are 5150 states. They really do. They remind me of the crazy emails we get when if Fox News mentions us or if Breitbart mentions us. And I've also recently been watching the Son of Sam documentary on Netflix. And the letters that Son of Sam leaves are kind of there. They kind of resemble these Trump statements pretty frequently, except they're usually a little more put together than Trump statements, the Son of Sam's statements. But I mean, at the end of the day, the entire Republican Party has basically fallen into that category of 5150. I mean, it's just the gaslighting, the stop lying. They don't want you to not believe what you saw with your own eyes or heard with your own ears. I mean, this is one of the things that's most disturbing to me. But guys, I think people are seeing through it. I mean, we had Elise Stefanik. She went to the House floor yesterday and she started talking about how the economy was so fantastic in 2020. And how Joe Biden ruined the fundamentals of the economy. Just think, in just over a year ago, in early 2020, our economy was booming. Our standing in the world was strong. We had just rebuilt our nation's military. And our communities and families were thriving. Here we are, a little over one year later, in just over 100 days, President Biden and Speaker Pelosi have dismantled that foundation. And the American people are paying the price. Meanwhile, I mean, anyone who has lived, anyone who has existed in this country over the past few years knows that America in 2020 was a disaster. And it was a disaster because Trump maliciously ignored the worst, one of the worst pandemics in American history. And the result was incredible. 
millions, millions, millions of Americans lost their jobs. Businesses were shuttered. People couldn't go to work, couldn't go to school, couldn't go to weddings, couldn't do anything. And Elise Stefanik has the gall to say that, oh, no, the economy was great last year. It was until Biden took over that things started going bad. Meanwhile, the Trump years sent us into a recession, if not a depression. And Biden has taken us out. I mean, Trump is like the first president in a very long time, maybe since Hoover or something, to actually leave office with negative jobs, like negative four million jobs. That's Trump's record. And of course, it's always on the Democrats to come and and recover things. And today, we actually, coincidentally, after Stefanik's statements, we see that the U.S. has actually just posted its lowest jobless numbers since the start of the pandemic. So things are coming back together. Then we have a guy like Ron Johnson, 5150 Ron Johnson over here, (laughs) coming and saying, hey, that insurrection, it wasn't an insurrection. That was a peaceful protest. That was a anyone who tells you that was an insurrection was lying to you. Those were peaceful protesters. The fact of the matter is, uh, even calling it an insurrection, uh, it wasn't. You know, I condemn the breach. I condemn the violence. But uh, to say there were thousands of armed insurrectionists uh, you know, breaching the Capitol, intent on overthrowing the government, is just simply false narrative. By and large, it was, it was all it was peaceful protests, except for, you know, there, there were a number of people, basically agitators, that uh, whipped the crowd and, and breached the Capitol. And, uh, you know, th- that's really the truth of what's happening here. I think these guys need to get their story straight, because now they're going from it was just a friendly tourist visit to peaceful protest. They're just trying to throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. But once again, we all saw those images. We all lived through January 6th and we know what happened. That wasn't a murder that you saw. That was a massage. It was a <laughs> massage. What are you talking about? That was a deep tissue. You, 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 you saw him stab the person, no, that wasn't a stabbing. That was a deep tissue. That was a shiatsu. I don't know my massage. That was shiatsu. <laughs> that was deep tissue. That was Swedish. That was not. That was not a stab. Oh, 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 that person beheaded that person. Oh, that wasn't that. Yeah, that 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 wasn't a beheading. That was uh, a neck massage. That is literally what they are telling us. And it, by the way, fifty-one fifty Ron Johnson. That view. I thought was like Ron Johnson says a a ton of crazy shit. So you think, okay, that's just Ron being Ron. But that seems to be overall the new messaging coming out of the GQP, which is now the Dems are calling this an insurrection. That was not an insurrection. There were a few agitators that may have been there, some bad apples. They use the word agitators because they want to act like it was Antifa or someone. So that's what they say. They go, it was a few agitators who may have been involved. But overwhelmingly, this was like just a daily tour of the of the Capitol building. And, you know, we made a video yesterday, uh, Brett's incredible uh, editing called GOP cop killers. We don't pull punches when it comes to what we call our videos and what we show because the GQP claims, you know, law and order. But you literally are silent in the face of the death of of Capitol Police Office. Not only silent, you're the cause of it. And, And just watching this vote this week on the House floor, you would think that when you have the bombing of Pearl Harbor, okay, that Congress gets together in a bipartisan way and says, we stand as one 
against destruction and threat of our country. This is a date that will live in infamy. Here, our Capitol building was attacked. Our most sacred forum of democracy was under attack and all captured on 4K, on 5K. (laughs) It was all captured on video. It's got to be the most videoed, photographed uh, terrorist attack in history, right? I mean, there's endless footage. And you only have 35 members, 35 members of the GOP who call for an investigation into what happened. The vote that took place on the House floor wasn't a bill to condemn Donald Trump, although that should certainly take place. It wasn't a bill that even made findings of who was to blame. It said, should we investigate what happened? And only 35 GOP joined all of the Democrats who said, yeah, our constitutional duty is to investigate people who try to overthrow and destroy. What are they afraid of? I'll tell you what the GOP is afraid of. They are the murderers. They are accomplices to the crime. They did it. If they are so confident in their Antifa Black Lives Matter defense, let's have the investigation and see what the results are. If you're so confident that these are actually Antifa, 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 okay, then you, should, then you shouldn't be afraid of the investigation, huh? Haven't Democrats been like bending over backwards just to try and appease these GQP members? Like anything Every that they ask for? step of the way. It's crazy. Gave, so Pelosi in the House bill gave Republicans literally everything they could have ever asked for, including equal representation on this board, on this committee. And honestly, that frustrated me when I saw it because I was like, how dare they have five Republicans who are responsible for the attack be on this committee to investigate the attack? But I think that's the difference between Democrats and Republicans is that Democrats will always act in good faith. They'll always put something forth in good faith. And then, but the problem is no matter how much you give, no matter how much you give to these Republicans, they don't care because they're not acting in good faith. They're not even acting in reality. Now, I'm trying to just map out now what happens from here because this bill, like Ben said, passed in the House. Only 35 Republicans supported it, more than I thought, to be honest. Now it heads to the Senate where Mitch McConnell opposes it and really all Republicans at this point basically uh, oppose this bill. So what's what it looks like is that this commission is not going to happen. Dude, Pence's brother, Pence's brother opposed it. Pence's brother, who looks like bizarro world Mike Pence, did not vote for the commission to investigate the attack in which rioters and terrorists wanted to literally hang his brother. But the sick thing is, I don't I think if Mike Pence was in the House, I think he would vote against this, too, because he's such a disgusting sycophant. Yeah, I Mike Pence he, would definitely vote against a hundred percent would have voted against it. So I, I'm not surprised that his his brother voted against it. Mike Pence would be the person who if Trump said, hey, I want you to jump off the Brooklyn Bridge. Pence would jump off the bridge. Well, sure, sure, sure. As no, long no. as there's no woman there with me, I'll don't no, do no, that. No question. And, Did and you? Here's but, the, here's... but hold on. But Pence's brother. One sec. I can't get over because Pence's brother's statement was even more bizarre. Pence's brother's statement on this and why he voted no. He said, "Hanging Judge Nancy Pelosi is hell bent on pushing her version of partisan justice, complete with handpicked jury that will carry out her predetermined political execution of Donald Trump before law enforcement officials." Blah 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 blah. 
No, no, I the think that's an important th- point. Don't don't blah 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 because to me, you blah 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 the most important part of the statement before law enforcement officials have completed their investigation. Go on. So I mean, without getting too into the weeds of this statement, he used the terms hanging and execution within the statement of why he opposed <laughs> this this bill, this committee. And meanwhile, that's exactly what the insurrectionists were trying to do to his own damn brother. If you guys like if you guys if, if I was Mike Pence and you guys were my brothers, and you voted no on this. We'll never talk to you guys again. That's some bullshit. <laughs> here, here, here's what I think the calculation is with Pelosi now and, and with Schumer. I think now they take this bill to the Senate. I think they know that the Republicans are too cowardly and too anti-American to take this commission up. I think they I think they're aware that even though they gave the Republicans everything they wanted, equal representation, subpoena power, everything they could have possibly asked for for this investigation, they know Republicans are going to turn this down. But I think I think Pelosi and Schumer are plotting ahead of that. Honestly, I think I think they're thinking more strategically. I think they know they're going to put it up for a vote. The Republicans are going to vote against it. Everybody will see that the Republicans voted against this bipartisan commission. So I think what happens after that is they will be making a select committee with really which would really be full of just Democrats investigating. And we'd kind of get our way in the end of the day with this committee. And maybe with the select committee, maybe they bring on like the Adam Kinzinger's of the world to make it their own version of a bipartisan committee that's out there to try to find the truth. And then they'll be able to subpoena people, you know, get people under oath. And so I think that's I think that's kind of the long term play. I think they know the Republicans, no way in hell they're going to go for this, but they have a backdoor plan. But they just want to show America right now just how spineless and anti-American these Republicans are that they're going to vote against this thing. The reason that I also just told Jordy, read the end of that sentence where it says before law enforcement officials have completed their investigation is because I think Mike Pence doesn't fully understand what he does for a living Um, as, as a GOP representative. He essentially is someone who is responsible for these investigations. That is one of the functions of what Congress members do. And so and so for him to basically pawn that off on other individuals like that is literally your job is to conduct investigations into matters of national security. You are actually one of the top authorities, if not the top authority that is supposed to investigate. And we saw a letter from Capitol police members. It was written on official letterhead, but it was not a technically an official statement of the Capitol Police, which tends to be a nonpartisan, that tends to be is a nonpartisan entity. But CBS News obtained an anonymous open letter that expressed the views of 40 to 50 U.S. Capitol Police officers who condemned Republican congressional leaders for their lack of support for the commission to investigate the January 6th insurrection. And I think the Democratic view The pro-democracy view is best summed up in Tim Ryan's statement on the House floor. To the other 90 percent of our friends on the other side of the aisle, holy cow, incoherence, no idea what you're talking about. Ben Godsey, you guys chased the former secretary of state all over the country, spent millions of dollars. We have people scaling the Capitol, hitting the Capitol police with lead pipes across the head. And we can't get bipartisanship. What else has to happen in this country? Cops. 
This is a slap in the face to every rank-and-file cop in the United States. If we're going to take on China, if we're going to rebuild the country, if we're going to reverse climate change, we need two political parties in this country that are both living in reality, and you ain't one of them. Every single member of Congress and every single American should be as angry and as passionate as Representative Tim Ryan. And Tim Ryan is running for Senate, and I think he'd make a great senator. I think that's the exact passion and the exact messaging that Democrats need and that America needs. I mean, it's infuriating when you have a party, like we said, that's 5150, the 5150 50 Republicans. weirdos. I'm weird. <laughs> so, that's, crazy That's an episode title name here. Totally, totally. Dude, Tim, Ryan, Tim Ryan, I think, could legitimately be. Pre- we, we interviewed Tim Ryan a few weeks back at this point. I think he could legitimately be president one of these days. I um, think so, too. Ohio is a huge swing state, as we all know, if you can lock down. Like, I, I think actually like the pieces are there. And these are the things that all Democrats should be speaking about. I mean, you need to understand Republicans are against everything. Not only are they against the police, they're against your health. They're against getting you vaccines for COVID. They're against having people wear masks so that other people are safe from COVID. They're against health care. They're against infrastructure. They're against civil rights. They're against your right to vote. And Democrats need to be pounding this messaging day in and day out that if you want a better life, if you want health care, if you want infrastructure, if you want better roads, if you want civil rights, voting rights, if you want to get back to work, get back to school, all the above, then you have to vote Democrat. It's the only way you need to have serious people, not these evil cartoon characters that we're seeing on the floor of Congress and the Senate. It's a joke. You know, it's like flying a plane, right? The Democrats fly a very steady plane, you know, and they're they're good pilots. They're qualified pilots. And the entire time the Democrats are flying this airplane, you know, the Republicans just want to hijack the plane. They want to take over. They want to be the captain. They don't really want to fly the plane because they don't even have the licenses to do it. Basically, they have no clue how to fly it. They don't even want to fly it. (laughs) But 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 all they want to do is try to is to basically try to take it over. And then once they you know, they try to create all these crazy excuses and and throw the blame around. Then when they take it over, they can't fly the plane. They've never even studied how to fly an airplane. And so the plane starts to tank. Every time they take over, you know, and then you need a Democrat to refly the plane and make it steady again. At the end of the day, every time the GQP comes back into power, they're the fucking worst. The economy crashes. You know, they they pass their stupid tax cuts for billionaires, which don't help any one of you Americans out there listening to this. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help your family. They pass things for the billionaires. They claim trickle down economics, which never works. They screw your family. The economy tanks. You vote Democrats. The economy rebounds. They claim Dr. Seuss. They claim cat in the hat. They make up all of this bullshit. And then they and then they tank it again <laughs> after the Republicans take power. That is what goes on. And that is why you need to keep fighting. I want to speak to Congresswoman Newman about these issues and how we get serious. But before we have Congresswoman Newman, I want to talk about something that has helped my life recently. It's been very busy working on Midas Touch, being a full-time lawyer, um, and working on a number of projects. 
And during the pandemic, particularly, it's hard to go outside. Even right now, as I'm getting back in and things are becoming normal, just getting back into a routine, it is important for me to have a healthy meal. And so I just started using Freshly recently, and it has revolutionized my eating habits. I am now on a normal diet of good tasting, healthy food. Dinner time can be chaotic, but with Freshly, it's easy. Their chefs take care of your meals a few nights a week. They cook it for you. It takes the pressure off of you. Right here, you guys didn't even know I had this. I'd walk Ooh. around with my Zingy Buffalo chicken. Okay, I just walk <laughs> around the house with this all at all times. Just ready to go. I, really, <laughs> I don't, but I have Zingy <laughs> Buffalo chicken that's loaded with cauliflower. And I put this in the microwave. It's already ready to go. Three minutes, I let it stand for two minutes. Boom, I have a healthy meal, a chef-made, nutrient-packed, delicious meal like that. And right now, Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off your first two orders when you go to Freshly.com slash Midas. That's Freshly.com slash Midas. Stop stressing out about dinner. Go to Freshly.com slash Midas for $40 off your first two orders. That's Freshly.com slash Midas for up to $40 off your first two orders. And definitely try the zingy buffalo chicken loaded with cauliflower and tell me. Please, everything I've had has been good. And you know how just chaotic life is right now and how busy we all are. There's, there's not enough time in the day. I've been absolutely loving it. I had the pasta with bolognese sauce. It was like a cauliflower pasta. Incredible. Brett, you are a food snob. I am. I am the biggest food snob, but I was having chicken Parmesan. I mean, that's the thing. It's like when you eat healthy food, it doesn't have to taste bad. This food is phenomenal. Like it tastes great. It arrives fresh. It's all incredibly good. And that's freshly.com slash M-E-I-D-A-S. Get your $40 off your first two orders. I mean, it's a no brainer. Simplify your life. Eat healthy. Get into that summer shape. And let's bring in Congresswoman Marie Newman, Congresswoman Newman, representative of Illinois' third congressional district. She is a freshman congresswoman, but already making moves. Congresswoman, welcome to the Midas Touch podcast. Thank you for having me. So it's incredible to have a true progressive champion on the Midas Touch podcast. Yesterday, particularly in the House of Representatives, was an interesting day, to say the least. A bill that should have been, by all accounts, something all Congress members could rally around. An investigation into an insurrection. An investigation that into something that led to the deaths of multiple people. One of the biggest scars on our nation's history yet. There couldn't be bipartisan support on that. Of course, all of your Democratic colleagues supported it. 35 members of the GOP supported it. Yet about 90 percent of the GOP, the same people who were talking about all these other investigations during the Obama administration here, nowhere to be seen other than pure obstruction. Talk us through what happened yesterday and, and how do you respond to that? Well, first of all, I I sincerely am appreciative of the 35 uh, Republicans that came over. And 
I would say uh, Congressman Katko actually showed a lot of leadership and independence, and I always admire that. While many of those folks and I don't agree on many things, right, the fact that they put democracy ahead of all of our um, policy disagreements, it should be uh, remarked and noted and awarded. Um, so I, I just want to be clear on that. Um, our team, um, led by uh, Benny Thompson, did a phenomenal job of being incredibly collaborative. Um, and I, I'm so very proud of our work. We wouldn't have even been able to bring it to the floor had it not been for that team that was negotiating. So uh, bravo on Congressman uh, Thompson. Um, but it was a fascinating thing to watch because um, I am certain there is a whole swath. So there's the 35 that voted yes to uh, do the commission. Um, and then there is this group that I would say is anywhere between 25 and maybe as big as 80 that are on the fence and never know what to do because they don't want to get bullied by their own party. That's my guess. And then there are the, the folks that just are um, part of the Trump cult. Um, and there's nothing we can do about that, right? Um, so watching all of this in motion um, was a bit of a character study, right? Um, but it also is diagnostic of where we're at in the country. Do you think there's a way to those 80 people? Obviously, I want to talk to you in a little bit about your neighbor, um, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and, and that experience. She definitely would fall into that category of the Trump cult. I mean, she's the, the leader of that cult. But there's that group of 80 who are afraid of being bullied um, by tweets and by uh, the masses that congregate around people like Marjorie Taylor Greene as progressives, as Democrats, as people who support democracy. Let's take away the Democrat progressive label as pro democracy people. As we say, we're a progressive organization, but like we support democracy at its core. Should we be reaching out to those 80 people? Should we be trying? Is it is is it possible or is that kind of fait accompli that they're always going to be bullied by the Marjorie Taylors of the world? I think it depends on the topic and the issue. And um, one would think this is an issue that they could get passed to support, um, but um, maybe are not for whatever reason. Um, I think leadership means everything in this. So had Kevin McCarthy and Scalise and some of the others taken a leadership uh, role. Uh, Ms. Stefanik in her new role, if they had taken a leadership role and said, yes, we want um, to understand um, finally what happened that day and why, what led up to that, and how can we prevent it for everybody? This is not a Republican or a Democratic issue. We want to keep, and what everybody forgets is the Capitol campus has, I don't know how many, somewhere, look, maybe as many as 10,000 employees on the full campus area. So staffers, um, uh, maintenance staff, engineers, administrative staff, everybody was present um, at that time and everybody was in jeopardy. These are all people with loved ones. And what we have to remember, it wasn't just the body, meaning members of Congress, it was um, all of the, the folks that work there. And to not have any uh, consideration for all those people is really upsetting to me, uh, much less the fact that they wanted to overturn uh, democracy. Um, so um, 
at the end of the day, we should be always reaching out and trying our hardest because you have to fight for democracy, right? So part of the fight is to um, bring back those folks who have gone to a dark place. And I think some of them probably are, you can resurrect. So it's your first term uh, in Congress now representing Illinois' third congressional district. As a freshman, they uh, when they're picking offices, they often put you in offices next to other freshmen. I used to work on the Hill. I used yeah. to give the Capitol Hill tours. And so I'm familiar yeah. with the building and kind of the seniority of where y- the offices are. You're familiar are. with a tourist visit as opposed to <laughs> on January 6th. I, just I gave true tours yeah. of the yeah. rotunda. I used to work Making for- Making sure we clarify here. <laughs> I worked for uh, a Democratic congressman back in 2003, Congressman Steve Israel. Is who okay. I interned for. Um, yeah. b- he was back in the D trip at one point, wasn't he? He did yeah. run the D trip right around the time I was there, and I did all the press clippings for him. But I loved, I loved giving Capitol tours. But they put so your office has the kind of unfortunate, or or depending on how you look at it, fortunate for someone like you who's able to speak truth to these unfortunate voices, you know, fortunate voices that are out there. But you're next to Marjorie Taylor Greene. What has that experience just been like uh, for you? That, I mean, in its totality, it is like watching a middle school um, mean girl try to operate in a very serious place. Congress is serious. We do serious things and we have a lot on our plates. Every single person, Republican, Independent, and Democrat. And She is not a serious member of Congress. I am not um, surprised at any of her behavior. What I'm surprised at is that she is in Congress. So she can continue to do, you know, it is her right, uh, Representative Green, it's her right to do do her, um, execute her office as she sees fit. Um, I disagree with almost everything she does and stands for. Um, and I would absolutely love it if she would come back into the fold and act like a serious member of Congress instead of a, um, a um, middle school drama uh, fundraiser um, that was hired to raise money. One of the reasons that I read that you got into Congress in the first place, one of the things that motivated you to get involved in politics was to make the world a better place for your transgender daughter. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that video of, first off, Marjorie Taylor Greene so vehemently opposing the Equality Act, I thought that was a disgrace because, I mean, to me, I'm like, how could you be against civil rights for all people, you know? And then your video went viral of you putting the a transgender equality flag outside your office, which was extremely badass and, was every, awesome. <laughs> and, and took the internet by storm. And then speaking of the middle school mean girl, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene had to answer with a hateful sign across the street. Could you could you take us through that saga and kind of what that meant to you and what you're fighting for with the equality bill and, and what drives you? Well, let me underline, it was never meant to be a fight. I was just wanted her to see the LGBTQ plus, uh, plus community every day when she walked out because she doesn't see them. And as I say, that it is not good enough to be accepting of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, we must, you know, see them, recognize them, um, embrace them and respect them, right? And so I just wanted her to see that we're here, we're not going anywhere. um, And all we want is equality, nothing more and nothing less. 
And that's all uh, that was meant to do. It wasn't meant to be this scrappy fight or cutesy thing or whatever it was like. And literally it was 30 seconds of my day. I was running to a vote and my contractor said, Hey, let's plant the flag. (laughs) And I was like, okay, boom. And then I literally ran um, to make a vote. Um, So at the end of the day, um, I think that um, the LGBTQ community um, is now seen um, by her. Um, and that's all that I wanted to do. It wasn't meant to be anything more than that. What do you make of these videos going around of, of Green? I mean, we see her harassing AOC in the hallways. We see her before she was elected going to the mail slot at AOC's office and screaming inside. We see her harassing children who survived uh, school shootings. What, what, what do you think when you see that? And then you realize I work with this person. <laughs> Not yeah. only do I work with this person, I should basically share office space with this person. Yeah. I mean, I think she needs help. And I don't mean that in a trite way or a um, philosophical way or in a pretending to be um, a mental health professional. You don't have to be a mental health professional to understand that she's a deeply broken person who needs um, to have um, mental health help. I mean, just that's it. Now, I think one of the things that is interesting about your candidacy and your success is, like we were saying earlier, you are a very progressive candidate, but it's my understanding that your district is not the most progressive district, traditionally speaking. Yeah, you know, I, it's funny. I'm not the biggest fan of labels. You know, I used to be an anti-bullying expert, and it's really no human can live up to any one label. Totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? By um, some people's definition, I'm extremely progressive. Um, there are some that say that I am moderately progressive, and then some would just call me a Democrat. So what I like to say is, let's talk about the issues everybody wants to talk about, move them down the, the board, get uh, coalition and consensus around that, and not worry so much about labels. Like, you know, I'm, that's fine if you want to call me progressive, like, I don't care. But what's important to me is that everybody in healthcare that we have, um, that we act on the Thrive Agenda and make sure that we have a green economy that will create a planet that is healthy for my children that are 20 and 23, um, and make sure that um, $15 an hour gets passed, make sure that we create jobs, rebound the economy, and make sure that when the next pandemic comes, we're ready from a healthcare standpoint and a, um, a an economic standpoint to endure it much better than we did under the Trump administration. Um, So whatever you want to call that (laughs) is, but I always talk about issues because nobody cares if um, what your labels are, but people do care about solutions. So our main job as Democrats, whether we're progressive, moderate, or whatever you want to call whoever, is we have to deliver. We have to deliver on the economy all day long and twice on Sunday. And here's the thing that just baffles me so much, and I would love your insight, but it seems that when you break down those policies that you just named, even in the most, and, and sorry to use labels again, but even the most conservative areas in America and the reddest areas of America, those policies are always overwhelmingly popular. When you ask people about a $15 minimum wage, when you ask people even about legalizing marijuana, when you ask people about healthcare for all, people support these policies. And even when you put them on a vote, like I think it was, I think it was Missouri or, or Mississippi, they put like legal marijuana on the ballot and people voted for it. But how do we like take it from these are the issues that you like to maybe you should support the Democrats that are fighting for these issues? Yeah. Um, The way that I do it is, is that, you know, there's notoriously Democrats have not been great at the soundbite, right? 
Um, so I just make everything crazy simple. I'll give you an example. Recently, we spoke about um, the uh, human rights viol uh, uh, violations in um, Palestine. Very complicated issue in that um, this has been going on for a long time, that Netanyahu has been evicting people and expelling them from their homes and um, literally yanking them out of homes, uh, you know, uh, hurting, killing everything, you know, all of that. And literally, I lead with uh, home theft is home theft. Boom. You can't steal people's homes. So let's just keep it really simple for everybody. And that's against the law. Stealing homes is against the law. I'm very upset about that. I'm probably on social media like way more than I should be, especially with this whole pandemic. And what I've seen throughout <laughs> social media is, is a lot of people take to their profiles and they write, hey, I'm an ally of this community. I'm an ally of that community. And that's great. I think it's great that people are using their own platforms to speak up. But now that we're coming out of this pandemic and people can start moving away from their digital spaces back into real world places, how can these people who, who claim to be allies of communities such as the LGBTQ plus community actually go out there and, and action their allyship? Yeah. You know, there are great organizations. There's, you know, uh, the Human Rights Campaign, PFLAG, GLAD. Every, pretty much every state has a series of community centers that are LGBTQ friendly with a few red states, probably exceptional for that. But um, go and let them know that you're happy to help them. You know, uh, talk, reach out to someone you think is struggling in the LGBT, LGBTQ plus states, because we all know somebody that's a member of the LGBTQ community, period. Statistically, we all know multiple people, right? So reach out to them, make sure um, they're okay. I mean, you don't have to be condescending, but just say, hey, I just want to let you know, I'm always here for you. Um, it's as simple as that. Um, but here's the good news about getting back into the real world and out of the digital world is that um, by virtue of the fact that we're going to have to see each other, interact, use all five senses, it's very hard to be super mean <laughs> when <laughs> you're experiencing someone in their full humanity, right? Um, so I think this this really horrible discord that's going on is going to cut. I already see it coming down, by the way, even online, I'm seeing the, the discourse get a little bit better and a little less inflamed. And that's because people are starting to meet in their, their um, family rooms and their garages and chatting over a beer and um, having discussions and getting out to restaurants and the economy is opening up. Um, and we have, you know, progressively more people vaccinated each week. Um, so I think we're already on that path but it is about just doing simple things like reaching out. Congressman, we talked, you made this important point. Congress's work is so incredibly serious. Mm -hmm. Yet to me, you know, the, the Trump presidency was an incompetent WWE cartoonish cosplay fascist theater. It was a mess. It's a wreck. There was no work being done that was serious things that people do and your colleagues. And it's so hard to say this on the other side. Um, a lot of them, that that group that isn't at 80, those yeah. Trump cultists, they are, in my view, I mean, they come off as like these non-serious, evil cartoon character parodies. They they don't take the job seriously and they go around as as bullies. How do we have these conversations 
with American people who are busy. They're working multiple jobs. You know, there isn't a living wage. They're struggling. They turn on TV. They get crazy Fox News injected in their veins and crazy Newsmax and all of these. How do we just speak to people and say, look, getting vaccines is a good thing. Having a living wage is a good thing. Let's like build the economy and make this a better place. Like, how do we wake people up so that in the next election, there isn't 74 million people and 99% of them voting against their own interests? Yeah. Um, So let's start with delivering, right? If we deliver um, a better economy and um, allow market forces to interact, so what's happening this week? We just saw another company um, say that they're going to um, uh, come to the $15 an hour um, marketplace, which is growing, not just Chipotle. There's probably 10 other organizations. Um, what we have been witnessing is supply and demand in a very capitalistic way, interestingly enough, is that workers are basically on a silent general strike right now. And they're saying, I'm not coming back for that because you know what? My babies need food. Um, I need health care. Um, and I need to have a roof over my head. And right now, um, whether it's because I don't have childcare, by the way, the number one reason people are going back to work is because they don't have childcare. Um, but there are some other market forces in there. And one of them is, is that they're still worried about the virus. And another is, hey, you know what? Temporarily, I am making a little bit more money, but that's the money I should be making. So this silent general strike has, has forced the market to do what it should and pay them a living wage, which I wish it was more than $15 an hour, but it's a good start, right? Um, so we, deli- we, we as a country are delivering on that promise, right? The, the, the grassroots is coming up and doing this silent general strike. So let's do more of that. Let's have our workers demand what they want, demand the PRO Act, demand $15 an hour, demand healthcare for all, demand that we have a, um, a green planet and a green economy. Um, and that we fix our roads and bridges. We have broadband everywhere, that we have a caring economy and pair our, and pair, uh, healthcare and childcare workers uh, properly. So let's encourage the, the grassroots and workers and everybody to keep doing what they're doing, keep on keeping on. And then we keep delivering on that. Um, and if we keep pointing back to that very simple thing, that like, look, in the last four months, guess what's happened? Um, you know, we have delivered um, a relief and survival checks. We have um, delivered um, a much better economy. We have vaccination. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's close to 50% now. We're going to likely be at 70% uh, by July 4th. Um, we are doing everything we said to, and we're going to keep delivering. And that's really how we should be talking about it and how we should be moving forward. So that's what we should do. Now, when we talk about it and we um, t- reach out to these other folks, just say, hey, you know, i I don't care if you are right, left, center, but look, this group's delivering. I don't know. Do you want to deliver? Or do you want results or just do you want shitty check? Exactly. Because we'll deliver. Congresswoman, you are delivering for your district, for the country. Um, we thank you for your service. Congresswoman Marie Newman, thank you for joining the Midas Touch podcast. We hope you will come back. We, I most certainly will, and it's been a delight today. Have a great day. Thank you, thank so, you much. so much. We'll be right back after these messages. What's up, Midas Mighty? Thank you for making the Midas Touch merch store one of the, if not the most popular destination for pro-democracy merch from T-shirts to mugs and, of course, the best-selling vaxxed wristbands. 
I can't wait to be out in town getting coffee, getting dinner, whatever it is, and seeing people rocking their wristbands. These wristbands are amazing because it's an easy way to let people know that you've been vaxxed and are following CDC guidelines. They say Midas Touch right there on them. You know what we like to call them? The perfect GQP repellent. That's exactly what they are, Brett, because it lets people know, to your point, that one, you're vaxxed, you're making a safe community for the folks around you, and two, maybe even more importantly, right up there, you're not a Fox News watcher. That's what these that's what these wristbands let people know. And let's be real, it's just a matter of it's a matter of respect, right? We're all going out. A lot of people are gonna be kind of uneasy being around other people after being locked in for a while. And it's an easy way to just let your neighbors know, let your friends know, let your overworked barista know that hey, I, you know, I followed the guidelines, I'm vaxxed, you don't have to worry about me. We're all in this together. And so you could get your vax wristbands at store midastouch.com. If you're still masking up, you can get your Vax and Relax masks at midastouch.com. We got all Vax and Relax gears. We got koozies, which are going to be great for summer. I'm excited for summer right now with the Midas Touch merch. And I've seen people showing us photos that they're receiving their tank tops and everything. So go check out store.midastouch.com. Get your pro-democracy gear today. That's store.midastouch.com. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. Great interview with Congresswoman Newman. I love these new Democrats, Brett. I like that, what she said about labels, right? Which is, I don't like the label, you know, progressive. It's some, you're this right. something we, we talk about a bunch. Because I talk about the policies that help American people. So I'm excited to see what comes next from Congresswoman Newman. Um, I want to talk about something that I find hilarious um, and, and, and slightly, you know, and well, and I think just, I know where you, I think I know where you're going with this. And I think we have an announcement to make as brothers. We do. It's yeah. I, I'd like to make an announcement that both me, Jordy and Ben are all polling at the same percentage as Josh Hawley for the Republican nomination for president. We want to thank you for all your support. <laughs> Josh Hawley now polling at zero percent, according to a new morning consult poll for the 2024. Well, that's what he that's what he was doing, Brett, when he was putting his fist up to the insurrectionist. (laughs) He was actually giving the zero for the percentage of all the fingers down. Josh Hawley had received. How embarrassing to sell your soul to the devil. And in return, the devil takes a dump on your face. Okay. (laughs) Let's just look at this list. This list is like, talk about 5150. This poll has Trump polling at 48%, which I actually think is kind of interesting that he's polling below 50% and this party is bending over backwards for him. The number two is Pence at 13%. The guy they wanted to hang, the guy they wanted to kill is second. I'm actually quite surprised by Pence because I thought there'd be a lot more anger by that base against him. Number three is DeSantis, who is begging to become president and is trying his little fascist test run in Florida with passing these laws that ban protesting and allow you to run people over with cars and all the shady stuff. Number four is Donald Trump Jr., which is just really shows you the depths of depravity of the GQP. I like how Trump Jr. also at this point has just become like a react video guy. 
Like all he does is he posts these YouTube videos on his Don Jr. channel with his little Don Jr. logos. And he's like, you're never going to believe what CNN did now. Like it's just all clickbait, bizarre. He is just a YouTube. He's just like a weirdo YouTuber. He looks pretty messed up in every video that he posts. I mean, the guy clearly needs help. If you're going back to the 5150, I mean, 7%, <laughs> assuming that the Republican Party now has just 70 million voters. Right. Seven percent of that would be what, Brett, slightly under. I'm not a math guy. None of us are math guys. You really trapped us in this one. Yeah, I didn't really trap you. I mean, it's it's a few (laughs) million. Seven seven, wouldn't be seven million. It's seven percent of 70 million. No, that no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I mean. We're not math even, guys. That's why we don't I, host a even, math podcast. Even I know that's 10%. <laughs> yeah, Jordan, that, I mean, that, that, that's where I was getting my, I was using 10% as my base, Jordy, and then going to reduce <laughs> from there. But assume it was, that means several million people, okay, believe that Don Jr. should be the president of the United States of America. That is true sickness. Right there, that you are the if you if you think, you know, Don Jr. would make an incredible president of the United (laughs) States like you like literally that is the definition of requiring involuntary incapacitation like you need someone needs to come to your house and put you in a mental institution if that is your if that is your view. But just speaking about Brett, the GQP generally and you alluded to this, like the things that they are the, the laws they're passing are simply the strangest, weirdest things in the world, like just where their priorities are. And you go to Iowa, for example, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds. This is her big bill that she's putting into it, put, you know, that she's pushing and she's pushed into law. A school or a private business is not permitted to require masks in the state. Um, so any business who wants to run the business however they want to run their business. Isn't this, Any, the, free mar- isn't this the free market party? I don't understand. They're putting no, it's not the free market party. They want to, so if a business goes, you know what? Um, we haven't reached a level of vaccinations yet that make us feel fully comfortable inside. In the state of Iowa, the state is forcing the business to abide by the state rules that make you potentially less healthy. Now, not potentially less healthy, definitely less healthy. Now, you're right, Brett. I mean, that is, we've talked about it. We said chavez is our term, like Hugo Chavez. This is a very chavez thing to do. This is a Castro thing to do, right? It is, let's tell businesses how they need to act. This is what the GQP tries to scare people into believing Democrats are going to do and Democrats don't do it. We heard Congresswoman Newman who talks about the free market. I don't hear any GQP members talk about the free market. All they talk about is how they're going to penalize and punish and take over businesses with state control. That's all they talk about. And what a crazy update. What a crazy mask rule. You're right right there. Now, finally, I want to close by um, talking close at least before a big another announcement that we have, Brett. Not Drum that we roll, are please. Not that we are roll, Not that we are polling ahead of GQP members. Now, this is a real point. announcement on the way. A real announcement on the way. But uh, uh, according to a new book by someone named Edward Isaac Dover, Obama called Trump a madman, a racist, sexist pig, 
and a fucking lunatic and a corrupt motherfucker. I want to make some confessions here, just for the record. I'm always honest with my people. I don't know anything about this story at all. I genuinely, <laughs> I genuinely just know the headline and the first bullet point that that may or may not have actually happened. Nonetheless, I want it to be true. Okay. So that is where I stand on that. I don't know if Obama truly called Trump. A, I mean, he, Trump is clearly all of those things. I don't know whether Edward Isaac Dover has this recorded, whether this is valid, but frankly, I don't care. I made the disclosure to you that I don't know. <laughs> Trump is all of those things. He is a corrupt motherfucker. Now, on to our big announcement to close out the show. Drum roll, please. And we will be bringing on some guests, a fan favorite. You know them as the owners of One Fresh Pillow, Adrian and Aaron Couch. Let's go. Thank you. <laughs> and we have a huge announcement to make together. And let's do a drum roll, please. Drum roll. Ladies and gentlemen, we are all <laughs> sleeping together. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? No, you're not supposed to tell. We're sleeping together. Is that, did I disclose too much information right there? I think, I think the phrase is we're in bed together. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think I definitely, we are in a little far, bed together. We're not sleeping together. We are in bed together is the right term. Thank you. I want to announce here on the podcast for the first time that myself, Brett, and Jordy have entered into a strategic partnership with One Fresh Pillow. We are so inspired by the work that Adrian and Aaron did, the work they've always been doing for many years when they started this small business in 2016. Of course, we all know the incredible work they did after the insurrection, getting their incredible pillows to the National Guard post-insurrection so they all had comfortable sleeps. But look, this is the work that me and my brothers just have done before we were involved in podcasting and all. This is the work I still do working with large brands, but to have the opportunity here to work with a small business that is so focused on making the world a better place. I am so honored to be in this strategic partnership with you both. Ben, thank you. Thank you. We're so excited. Like this is a, uh started at the bottom now we're here sort of thing like I don't know it's it's weird we're so used to just doing this by ourselves and just hustling for every little Twitter follower and every customer and working so hard to to get in front of people and so to have you guys just the fact that you guys noticed us in the first place all those months ago was so huge and exciting for us and to be able to develop this relationship with you and then to take it a step further and for the three of you to say, like, we believe in you so much that we, you know, we want to pitch to your wagon, hop in the bed with you, whatever. It's such a huge compliment. It's an it, honor. It yeah, really is. Absolutely. It's, it's an honor. This year has broken me and I feel like I tear up over everything and I'm trying to like. <laughs> well, let me just tell you, the honor is all ours and your energy is contagious. And I think when we first spoke, 
and then had you on our podcast, we were immediately just attracted to what you guys were building, your passion for what you were building, your passion for democracy. And I just figured, you know, these people not only make a great product, they're great human beings and they are supporting all the right things and have the highest of values. And so it's it's honestly my honor to be able to quote unquote, get into bed with one fresh pillow. And I want to encourage everybody listening to the podcast, everyone who has social media accounts, Twitter accounts to follow one fresh pillow and join this movement. I mean, their account also, you will understand it right away. Why I love Aaron and Adrian so much. I mean, they are hilarious. They do not hold back. These are not tweets about pillows all day. These are funny tweets about everything going on in the world. And you just have to, you have to follow them. You have to join this movement and, and order a One Fresh Pillow for yourself and see what the magic is all about. People have legitimately thought that we were a parody account and not realized <laughs> that we sell pillows. I swear to God. They're like, wait a minute, there's actual pillows. And I'm like, um, yes, they're amazing. We made them with <laughs> Well, the account's <laughs> one of the best accounts on Twitter. It's, it's actually yeah. one of the main reasons why I just log on so we can interact every day. And then on it's top funny. of that, I hear y'all have the greatest pillows out there. Oh, the pillows are incredible. This is what is so sad about like being sold out right now is that even you mm. or little Jordy just waiting, <laughs> but we'll be back in stock wait. soon. We'll be back. Well, we are super excited for this strategic partnership, humbled to be a part of it. You know, our marketing skills, what we've brought to the table in other contexts, you know, even years ago, you know, I think has helped prepare us for this. And we just look forward in, in, in helping build this to have a company that stands for all the right things, a company in a specific industry where one of the main competitors is a fascist in Mike Lindell, who literally used the pillow industry to harm the democracy, but ultimately to focus people on at the end of the day, this is an incredible product, um, a product that both of you engineered. Aaron, obviously your background in massage therapy, making this incredibly comfortable, but incredibly focused on what people truly need. You know, when they sleep, we spend so much time in sleeping, thinking about it. Like, what do you put your face on <laughs> every single day? It's pillows, but people don't ever think about that. And sometimes their decisions are, they go into a big store and just pick out something or have someone else buy something for them. And then they sleep with that forever and it's dirty and it's disgusting. And y'all have changed the game here. And so I'll give you both the uh, final word. There's no final word. I could talk forever. <laughs> yeah. We started this in 2016 and have been working so hard every day for years and years and years. And like I said, to have the, not only the attention initially of you guys, but the camaraderie and partnership with you and the fact that you believe in us so much that you're willing to share us with the Midas Touch family, that's massive that you three individually are willing to use your platform that you've worked so hard to achieve to, to share news about us, our product, and not just our product, but you know, what we stand for as a company. Like it's just such a huge compliment. It's like such a love fest, but like we do, we love you guys so much and just appreciate you. And we're so excited. And, um, and I know we're all sleeping better in the Biden oh era, <laughs> but don't sleep 
on buying a new pillow from us. We are the best, even though I'm biased. Um, but we're just really excited about everything that that we're all going to do together. Even though I do feel like Aaron and I are like old enough to be your parents. No, uh, no, I don't think that. No, I, I don't think. That, I don't think the math will <laughs> add up. But we appreciate this partnership. We thank you so much for coming on the Midas Touch podcast. Unless I think you had me at the age of around eight or, <laughs> or ten, I don't think that that's so necessarily. Po- I don't think I don't think y'all got yeah. married at the age of ten. But uh, legit, you guys <laughs> are awesome. Thank y'all so much for having us. Oh, we appreciate it. Thank you, Aaron and Adrian Couts of One Fresh Pillow. Thank you for joining the Midas Touch podcast, and thank you all for listening to this episode of the Midas Touch podcast. We had incredible guest Marie Newman, Congresswoman Newman on the show. She was incredible. Um, we will see you next week on the Midas Touch podcast. Wait, let's do the shout out together on three. Three, two, one. Shout, shout out, out to, to the, the Midas, Midas, Midas. Midas.